This is Catalog and Cocktails. Presented by Data.World. Hello, everyone. Welcome once again to Catalog and Cocktails, presented by Data.World. It's your honest, no BS, non-salesy conversation about enterprise data management with tasty beverages in hand. I'm Tim Gasper, longtime data nerd, product guy, customer guy at Data.World, joined by Juan Cicada. Hey, everybody. I'm Juan Cicada, the principal scientist at Data.World. And as always, Wednesday, middle of the week, end of the day, and uh, time to have drinks and time to chat about data and what is data and what is not working, all that stuff. And today we are have a, gra- a guest who is like a lot of things are happening today for our guest. And uh, it's <laughs> Bethany Lyons. And Bethany, I have been following Bethany on LinkedIn for a while now. And she was just changing jobs and just kind of starting her company and just all the questions that she was asking and just all the content that she was generating and all the conversations that were she was engaging just – Got, got me so excited. I remember Bethany, the first time we chatted, it was like a, on a Sunday and we chatted like for a couple hours a with, my baby, with my baby and everything. Anyways, Bethany Lyons, who today is announcing she's a chief product officer at Cowell Analytics. Bethany, it is a pleasure to finally have you on the show. How are you doing? I'm super excited. I'm so excited to be on the show and especially on International Women's Day. Woo! Yes, love, love this. This has all worked out. You have a lot of announcements today that you started announcing. But first of all, uh, let's kick it off. What are we drinking? What are we toasting for? There's a lot to toast today. We are we are we are drinking red wine. Uh, it's 10 p.m. in London here, so it's kind of an appropriate drink for the hour. And uh, we're toasting a new product that is launching a new revolution. Uh, the next the next frontier in analytics. Uh, that is what Kawa is building. So self-service operations. We'll talk more about it on All the right. show. Awesome. Tim, how, how about you? What are you uh, drinking? What are you toasting for today? Today, I am uh, drinking some Old Forester King Ranch, which is a very strong whiskey. So I got to be careful how much of it, how fast I drink this here. Um, and I will cheers to new things. And very excited, Bethany, for you. Thank you. Yeah, and I'm having just a classic gin and tonic, but this is a gin. I think it's the sweetest gin somebody left at my house. I'm like, I don't know where this is. It's actually pretty good. So, and let's cheer to all the new things that are happening. So, cheers, Bethany. Cheers. <laughs> all right. So, our, our warm up question of today operations, operations. So, operation is a game where you got to do surgery on a guy, right? Or what's your favorite board game? Uh, so my favorite game is the Settlers of Catan. I really love kind of collaborative, competitive games. Um, and I used to play, so I had this friend who was a, a mathematician he had, and a game designer at that. And he'd do these like Sunday games after, afternoons. And he could, never, he could never beat me with all the math and logic in the world because I was just better at collaborating with other people. <laughs> And that turns out to be the strategy for winning that game, not math and logic. I love Settlers of Catan. I have so many good memories of like when I first started to get into startups um, and we would always have like Settlers evening or eat pizza, drink beer and play Settlers. So good memories there. (laughs) Nice. How how about you, Tim? Um, For me, uh, you know what? I love a good game of Risk. That's always a fun Mm -hmm. strategy game for for, for everyone. What uh, What about you, Juan? So I've, one that we play a lot in my house is Sequence. Uh, I don't know if you play that's one like all the cards and you have to like get paths and stuff. But a game I've played a couple of times is called Wizard. 
And it's, uh, it's an interesting thing because you have to, you want to win, but you also want to lose. So you want to say how much basically like, do I think I'm going to, do I think I'm going to lose this game? And if I actually, and I do want to lose because if I don't lose, then I actually am losing points, right? It's, it's an interesting kind of game on uh, winning and losing dependent. Losing is also winning and, and winning can be losing. So a lot of, uh, I think a, a lot of interesting stuff to be done here, but all right, let's just kick it off on our discussion. Honest, no BS. Bethany, why do you say that we keep doing, that we're still doing data analytics wrong? So I guess, yeah, I was talking specifically about self-service analytics. Um, okay. I guess self-service analytics is a very data-centric, data team-centric view of the world. It's sort of like we have this backlog of requests and it's accruing and we don't want our backlog to accrue. We want it to go down, ergo self-service analytics. It's kind of like to resolve our request problem, we want to like push the requests back to the business. But actually, the business doesn't care about self-service analytics. They care about being able to operate, design, and measure their business processes. And those things happen to require analytics. So I guess it's about shifting the focus of the goal to, to being supporting the operation design and measurement of business processes rather than facilitating the business doing their own analytics. Right. But that, that, it, yeah. I've been told that self-service analytics is the answer to all problems in the world. I don't understand. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so how did this all? I, I, how did this all start? Because I would I would agree that there's like, I don't, what is it, five five seven years ago? I mean, like 2015 or probably would be the kind of a time frame where you, you'd be hearing so much about self-service analytics. And then you're like, mm -hmm. oh, that's a solution, right? We, we need to empower the people who need to answer questions to answer their own questions on their own. So that was the wrong thing to go do. That was the, well, so no, I think, I think self-service analytics got taken out of context. I think self-service analytics was really designed for, for analysts. It was the whole movie, like it was Tableau and I, you know, I was at Tableau at the time and Tableau pioneered self-service analytics. They, I think they literally went to Gartner and made it a term that we now use. Um, but it was really about shifting the power from technical teams to analytical teams. And it kind of got taken out of context because we, there's this need to go the next mile, which is facilitating business operations. Um, and and self-service analytics wasn't designed for that. So I guess if you take a step back and look at what are the three types of people within the business, there's sort of the business operators who are trying to move cases through a process, essentially, like salespeople moving prospects through a sales process, support agents moving cases through to resolution, accounts receivable agents moving invoices through to collection, those, those types of like frontline business operators. And then you have the people who design processes um, mostly the job of management. And then you have the people who measure the performance of the processes, like your leadership team. Um, and so all of those goals require data. I think analysts typically work to serve the latter two, like the, the designing and measurement of processes. Uh, and that's the user that was enabled by self-service analytics. And we don't have a technology platform yet that supports 
that first use case of frontline business operations. And so we've been extending analytics, self-service analytics software, like overextending it into something it fundamentally wasn't designed for. Interesting. I, I think I agree with your premise here. And I guess just trying to unpack that a little bit. Is this why we see, you know, some of this recent obsession with things like reverse ETL and like, how do we push the analytics back into things like Salesforce and Gainsight and sort of more of the line of business tools because of some of this gap between, oh, we have these self-service analytics tools, but then there, it hasn't quite fulfilled the needs of these business operators like we might've hoped. Exactly. Yeah. Because these business operators, they... Their use of data, so the way I kind of see it is the use of data for a business operator is basically to fill the gaps in between their systems. So like they have, you know, a CRM or an ERP or a HR management software, you know, pick, pick your business process to manage like the really standardized parts of their job and of, of their business process. But then there's all this stuff that falls in the gaps between systems. And that's kind of what gets labeled as like, self needing self-service analytics and it's actually like it's not it's not analytics at all it's facilitating processes that don't have an application that's designed to manage and simplify and automate them um and so i think if data teams took more of a view of like what are the processes that span multiple systems and how do we enable those processes we could chip away at this backlog in in a well, not, not chip away. Like right now we're incrementally chipping away at it one request at a time. But if we took, took this view of like, how do we facilitate these cross-system business processes? We could just like ax off a huge set of these incremental requests that are coming in. Hmm. All right. So it's like one, one thing that always really surprised me about, like when I worked at Tableau, I had a lot of insight into how is Tableau deployed and, and like in 90% of cases, it was not for exploration and insights uh, at all, which is what it was designed for. It was like it's being used in banks uh, as like the glue between systems to do stuff like mortgage remediation. And like, you know, it's, yeah. it's a way to encode, enable business users to encode business logic that they need to apply to data to run a process. Um, that's maybe like a little bit ad hoc and like there doesn't exist a sales force for that. This, this is fascinating. This is fascinating. I mean, I mean, you're, you're just giving us a lot of, in, giving, giving the world a lot of insight right now. It's like, well, this is what actually has happened at Tableau, right? So, I mean, and, and I think we've seen, you said something really important there is the business logic, right? The business logic, there was yeah. a lot embedded inside of Tableau where like that logic should have been embedded in some sort of, application or so, some, something else, but that logic is actually helping those users operate, right? Get their job done exactly. in analytics. Yes. So I think, so maybe an aha moment having right now is that the moment you realize that there is a lot of business logic tied to your analytics tool, big yes. red flag. Huge red flag. And, and that's what, it, like, that's actually the main value of analytics for business users is not the analytics at all. It's the business logic that enables them to operate. So when you start to double down on self-service analytics and doing it much more in the traditional way, we'll call this the old way or whatever, right? Uh, yeah. Like what, what goes wrong there? 
like you started to talk about like you you know a lot of one-off requests and things like that like is that kind of the big thing or what what else goes wrong with sort of the the more traditional approach around self-service analytics so i think there's like we're, we're living in the era the google era where you know a business person is used to being able to just type a question into their laptop and get an answer and so they expect that like when they ask an analytical question it should be like google search easy and it turns out that like it's not <laughs> it's like incredibly complex to answer very simple questions just because the data is in like totally different systems that doesn't speak to each other. It's not modeled correctly for the question. Like it can take, you know, an 18 step process to answer a fairly simple business question. So I think we don't yet have this appreciation that data engineering is in many ways more complex than software engineering. Uh, and so there's just this expectation of like, I have a question, like, give me an answer. Uh, and so we failed to apply like product management principles to filtering out some of those requests because, you know, every time a customer has a feature request, you don't just like pipe it into your product team and build it. You, you say no to about 97% of the things because it doesn't have like enough value or it's not broadly applicable enough. Whereas we, we haven't adopted that mindset in data. It's just kind of like, oh my God, this person has a question. We have to give them an answer. And it's like, but like, maybe you don't because maybe it's not important enough. Right. To be there's there's the very report. much this conveyor belt mentality around data, right? Where it's like, build the report. I need another report. Yeah. And it's, I, I spoke to this VP of uh, data at an e-commerce company last week. And he said at his company, they have 8,000 dashboards for 2,000 employees. And I'm like, but like, why? Like, who's, do what are people doing with it? That's crazy. That's insane. Like put a product manager in between the business and the data and the, the data people to, to figure out what's actually valuable and what's worth, what's worth doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. One of our customers at data.world has, I think 45,000 uh, Tableau dashboards. It's like nuts it's, it's, when you get into that level, nuts. right? It's nuts. It's absolutely nuts. Yeah. So I'm actually realizing here, this is a great takeaway already uh, that you put a product manager and one of the things that the product manager should be kind of must be looking for is like, is this an analytical request or is this an operational request? And the, yeah. moment, and the moment that you identify that you're like, wait, this oper th this actually should go back to to, to, to the data teams that are actually supporting, I mean, some operations in a way, or actually like back to the source, like maybe it should be done all the way down to the Salesforce or, or there's a back, there's a gap. Maybe we do need a tool to go deal with this or, or so. I mean, but I think it's really, really important to be able to understand the requests. If they're analytical requests or going to be some operations just to get my day-to-day -day job. So, um, Exactly. I'm really, I'm really, I'm, I'm really kind of diving into this very specific detail because this is a big aha moment for me. I really, really like this. The whole, where is your business logic? If your business logic analytics, big red flag. Yeah, and and it's, um, I think like that's exactly right. You need to be able to 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 field and like qualify what type of request it is, rather than just like, oh, now let's get data, then let's model it, then let's query it. You know, it's like. Yeah, like if it's an analytical request, if it's like a, you know, help me measure my business process and it's coming from an executive, like, yes, put an analyst on that and like answer the question. But if it's an operational request, it's like coming from a salesperson, it's like, well, there's, you know, maybe 2000 other people who do the same job who have the same question. And so maybe you should build a product that enables them to 
like integrate this in a process that's just part of their daily workflow. And that's um, another, so, that's another so, point. It's like, oh, if this question that you're asking and you're a salesperson, like who else is probably asking this exact same question because maybe they're changing some of the parameters. Like that's an indicator too that it's like, oh, you need to know how many people are in this region, right? Well, you need to do that to get your job done, right? It's not really, you're not doing it for analytics or you need to go who you're to, who yeah. to call whatever, right? So somebody else is maybe exactly. having this exact same question but changing the parameters and I, I care about it, the Western region and you're asking for the Eastern region, but at the end of the day, people are just asking questions that, hey, that should have been in Salesforce. That's not a question they should be doing in, in a Tableau or anything. Yeah, exactly, 100%. So one of the things that, that we were talking beforehand, and I think actually you wrote a post about this like a, last week, was from self-service analytics to self-service governance. Governance. Oh, yeah. People were like, what, were like, what do you mean? <laughs> this is chaos. And everything. Right. So open the floor. Yeah. Clarify what you mean here. Clarify what I mean. So this is actually inspired by uh, Clive Benford. He was the da like chief data officer at Jaguar Land Rover. Um, and he was like on this like tirade against Tableau because we have this like we had this very strict governance model where like a central administrator defines groups and manages groups and like who can collaborate with who. Um, that's all it's defined as an IT decision. But that's actually it's it's an insane way of working to have your IT department dictate who can collaborate with who in an organization because collaboration is fundamentally something that is like driven by business need. And we, we no longer live in this world where like you collaborate with just people in your immediate team or, you know, in your reporting line, it's like innovation comes from cross-functional collaboration. And it's, it's also not knowable upfront, like who am I going to need to share with? And so you can't possibly, create a, a model through like your active directory that, that models your organization's collaboration. Um, and, and so, you know, the point that Clive made, I'm not going to take credit for this. And, and by the way, I'm going to jump to the gun and answer one of your questions, which is who should we have on our podcast next? And it's Clive to talk which, about. By this. the way, he's going to be on our podcast in a couple of weeks. So. Oh, amazing. I love, I love Clive so much. Um, he's brilliant. So, so anyway, the point that he made is like, if data is in spreadsheets, the responsibility and the accountability is on the business user for the data security. Like if you email a spreadsheet out of your organization, like everybody knows that you get fired for that. And so they don't. And so like spreadsheet data is some of the highest security data in the organization because people treat it with such a high level of personal accountability. In contrast, as soon as something's in like not a spreadsheet, it's like, we the accountability sits with the people who own the system and so then they just try to maximally lock it down and you know disable collaboration um which is just dysfunctional for, for the organization so it's like if we entrust people to have the physical data in spreadsheets like why wouldn't we trust them to freely collaborate with whoever they need within or outside their organization on a data set that has like role level security enforced at the database level. That, that like, you know, that it just doesn't even, it just doesn't make sense <laughs> that, right. that this isn't the way we work today. You know, that's interesting. You, so, you, so you made a statement there, which is interesting. You said that spreadsheet data has some of the highest levels of security and individual accountability. Like, 
what makes you say that? Are like people, because people are like locking down their spreadsheets, or or because it's only the individual, nobody else can see it, or what? What, what drives you to it's, say that? Um, I mean, if you look at banks and financial services organizations, they are like the most spreadsheet-driven organizations on the planet, and yet they're like the highest security organizations as well. It's it's just it, it's yes, there's a high risk of errors in your spreadsheet, but like how often do you hear about like this, this person accidentally emailed like private data out of the organization? Like it just doesn't happen because people have such a high degree of incentive not to screw up. Whereas like as, as soon as, as soon as the data is in like a BI tool, it's kind of like, ah, the boundaries are like fuzzy around who the responsibility Mm -hmm. lies with. And so like, I actually think you have higher risk of, like data breaches because there's not such clear accountability on an individual. Got it. Okay. It's shared accountability. I don't know. I, I believe the like, world turns yeah. on incentives. This is just my personal belief. Like if you can incentivize people like that's, that's the highest form of security you can achieve. No, that makes sense. It's, it's easier in a shared environment for it, for security to be a little bit, not my job kind of thing. Right. Exactly. Hmm. Yeah, so so what, this is a very interesting point here because I'm trying to understand how to unpack this more. So, if you continue the spreadsheet scenario, right? If everybody takes feels accountability for their spreadsheet, right? And then, and, and but your point is like, yeah, they're very secure. So that in a way, that's like the, a self service governance, right? They're like. I know self service governance. I I, I I I won't screw up. I mean, like it's a very I have. Yes, I know I need to go. I have ownership about this stuff. I will take care of it. But the moment that data goes out and other people start combining it and whatever, like you don't even know what that is anymore. So you're like, that's not me. But then because that kind of gets pushed out there and somebody else is doing the work and some and they don't may not even know the context, like that governance over there should be shared. And that's what we kind of like, well, we need to have these big uh, top down approaches for governance. So they either lock everything down, which is then probably not helping collaboration. Um, and, and I think that's kind of the, a lot of the status quo today is like people think about governance is, is like this top down approach. And um, mm-hmm. then again, then we lack collaboration. So no, and a way to be able to kind of be more collaborative is that we give people more ownership of their own analytics ownership. and therefore they take ownership of their governance too. Is that exactly. what you're trying to make? Yeah, like exactly. I think you, you, what you said is exactly right. Like self-service governance is happening today. This isn't a new concept. It's how banks run is self-service governance. Um, so it's about now. let's now port self-service governance to the data warehouse and to like the enterprise platforms because self-service, like at the moment, self-service governance happens off in Excel um, and then like centralized governance happens in these platforms and so the, the platforms block people from doing their jobs. And so they're just like, well, screw the platform. I'll just do everything in Excel where I can freely collaborate and share with whoever I need to, whoever I trust, whoever, you know, I can own the, my decision of sharing with them. So, so it's like self-service governance is already happening. Why don't we now bring it to the data warehouse? So that's like basically, I mean, in a way I'm like, I guess, it's like almost part, we would have to go partition the database, the data lake, the data warehouse, whatever, saying that, hey, 
this part of here, like I own the data that's in, I own these set of tables here. Like and that's what I'm responsible for. And then, and then somebody else owns it. And then if somebody then says, I'm going to go combine these things together, then I'm going to take ownership. So there needs to be like really more uh, incentive, uh, incentives to be able to take ownership. And then I think it's the assumption here is that if you take ownership, then you're also going to take the governance uh, uh, aspect about it. And, and Yes. Yeah. I, I think that's like the, the, the concept that is missing from our, I don't know, conceptual model is that governance is about ownership more than it is about control and restrictions. Hmm. So is in, in a self-service governance model, is governance opt-in or is it, you know, because I think there is a traditional sort of domain-oriented stewardship model that like some companies kind of prescribe where it's like, okay, well, you're the, you're the steward of marketing and you're going to be the steward of sales and you're going to be the steward of finance and you're going to take ownership over your area and and then we've got a centralized kind of governance group. Is that is that kind of the model that you're thinking, or is it is it different? Is it you know turning that on its head more? It's um, yeah. Again, I'm I'm not suggesting we invent anything new. Mm -hmm. I'm just suggesting that like like people know who is who they can share data with today. They they know in their heads like, will I get fired if I send this spreadsheet to like Susan in accounting? Like they just, they just know that up front. Um, and so then they, they either do share or don't share based on that kind of institutional knowledge that they have of like what's acceptable and what's not. Um, so I think it's about entrusting people with ownership over their decisions uh, because they're going to make those decisions like outside of your platform if you don't enable it to happen inside their platform, inside the platform. So like one of the things that you want to encourage is if people are going to share things anyways, can yeah. we at least make it above the table? Can we at least yeah. see it, track it? Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's like it, you should at least have like audit auditability of who's working with whom in your, in your organization. And actually I remember there was this company that uh, they mined their email to figure out who's sending emails to who. So they like figured out their like who's collaborating with who in the organization by like mining their email. Imagine if you brought all of this like Excel data sharing into a platform that you could audit. You could actually understand the dynamics of your organization. In, so like, you are telling people like, yeah, go ahead, do do your thing. We trust you because we're watching you, and we because know we're watching. Yeah, and if you know that you're, you know, being being watched, like, I, I think people like ninety nine point nine percent of people take care of their organization's data, and so like start with that assumption. Like people want to keep their jobs. <laughs> that, that that's that's a fair assumption. That's a fair. Well, I, I think that's a fair assumption. I think it's 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 kind of almost a change of mindset. Like I'll be honest, no BS. I'm kind of still trying to process this and I don't, I don't know if I agree with you. I don't know if I disagree with you. And I, I think I understand what you're saying. I mean, uh, I mean, at, at the end of the day, it's all about like you're decentralizing accountability. And I like what you're like, people are already yes. doing this. You're, you are, yes. already, people are already doing this. Right. Like I, 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 I know I'm not going to do something bad, because I don't want to get fired. Right. And I know, I know where the line is. Right. 
yeah. and, and if I do kind of get close to that line, people will find out and stuff that will have repercussions, right? So at some point is like you want to just kind of work, just understand what the what humans the employees already kind of are expected to go do, right? Nobody's expected to go do anything bad. If they do, you know, they're gonna get fired, right? So we kind of have that same type of mentality when it comes to like dealing with the data, right? I mean, and again, it's and it's already happening with spreadsheets, but it's not happening in your data lake. It's not happening in in, in your analytics, in your Tableau, in your dashboards. And the question is like, why couldn't you? Like, yeah, we let people go email spreadsheets around and everything's okay. So why do we have to go like centralized governance for something that maybe everything's okay if we kind of let people take their own ownership accountability around that? Anyways, mm -hmm. I, I'm thinking about this like as these we're in this world of finding the balance between centralization and decentralization. Part of it is decentralizing accountability because do exactly. what you want, do what you want, and you know you will be held accountable for it. And to me, like decentralizing accountability is so much more important to the progress of organizations than decentralizing who writes SQL queries. Like that's kind of an implementation detail. That's interesting. So how, how does this come to reality then? You know, uh, like, is this something that is a part of this feels like culture and, 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 and changing yeah. the paradigm, right? Is there a role that technology has to play in this? Is there, you know, something with the analytics stack that has to change? Certainly feels like you need some security oriented tooling monitoring and etc in order mm -hmm. to really track what's going on here like what what has to change so um yeah i, I actually think that the the kawa can power a lot of this this new revolution in self-service governance so uh, when i joined i looked at the product i i'm the first like somewhat commercially oriented person to join the company everybody else is like hardcore engineers and uh, when I first looked at the product, I was like, oh, my God, you oh, hold on. My light, my light just turned off. No, no worries. I was like, what? Oh, this is hold on. It's on a timer, I think. <laughs> you see, we're truly uh, live here. We're truly live. Yeah, we're truly <laughs> live. And then this light is weird. You actually okay. do have some interesting different lighting arrangements there. There's there's so there's some weird lighting happening here. It was like, <laughs> last minute. I was like, I, I got to put together a few a few different lights. <laughs> no worries. So so yeah. Anyway, what, so what is the approach that Kawa I, is doing that's different? So when I first looked at Kawa, I was like, like tell me tell me we don't do this. But you can in the platform find any other user who's in the platform and share directly with them. So like I could. I could, you know, go and share with a user in a completely different organization uh, through this platform. And I'm like, how do we allow this? This is crazy. Like, people are going to lose their minds. Like, and then, you know, they, they looked at me and they're like, yeah, but you enforce real level security in the database. And so if a user shares something with somebody outside their organization who doesn't have access to the, any rows, they'll, they'll just see empty views. They won't see any data. They'll just see like the wireframe of, of a viz. Um, so what's the big deal? And I was like, yeah, actually that's true. And they're like, and this is the way GitLab's model works. Like you can find, if a user is on GitLab, you can find them. Um, and so the platform is built by default to enable cross-company collaboration. 
And it's been like a shift for me as well to be like, wait a second, no, this isn't this isn't insane. This is brilliant. <laughs> this well, is, so is this coming from a technical perspective? You start implementing kind of like row level security, maybe even cell level security and stuff like that. That's how we are able to really decentralize accountability. You just you just do need to know what are the groups and you need to put people inside those groups and then just go free because we know that technology will take care of what can be shared or not. So Exactly. Like the, the database manages who can see what rows. And so then the users can share whatever content they want with whoever they want, because the content isn't the thing that's high security, it's the data. So it's, it's enabling this like this very high security, like, you know, RLS policies in the database with this very low security content management sharing and collaboration model. But these poli I mean, these policies do need to be defined somewhere beforehand, right? So you are centralizing something that then you're like you're centralizing the policies, but then you're decentralizing the execution of these policies with respect to the people and the data that's being shared. Yeah, you're saying share away, but I know that it's going to be safe because of what I've said. Right, but, but I know it's under I know it's under these parameters, and if you don't yeah. fit within these parameters then you can't share. So there, there is a, I mean, it always goes back to finding some balance of centralization, decentralization, which is different from the spreadsheet approach because the spreadsheet approach, there is, I would argue, there is no centralization at all. The only centralization, yeah, right. yeah. the only centralization is you do something wrong, you'll get fired. That's the only, that's the only policy. Yeah. And, and you're the basically, policy. We, 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 the, we, we trust you. We, we trust you until the moment we don't, right? That's pretty much the yeah. only policy out there, but, uh, but otherwise, there is something that needs to be centralized. So I, so I guess the point I'm getting to is like, we just can't go to the other extreme. Yeah, no. So it is the, 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 the access to the rows of data is still centralized in our, in our platform. And, you know, I don't know what, like, if there's demand from customers to allow people to set their own RLS for when they share on to like, other organizations, I don't see why we wouldn't build that. Um, but but because like, how can an IT department know if you're, let's say you're a retailer and you need to share data with your supply chain, like how, like can can your IT department necessarily know upfront exactly what data you need to share with you? Like maybe, but like maybe there's other sources you need to integrate that it can't be so clearly defined in, upfront. And so maybe you need to delegate to your like category managers who are working with the retailers, the ability to set their own RLS. So like, I, I could imagine a world in which we enable decentralized setting of like rights management for like sharing with third party organizations. It doesn't exist now, but, but like, it's, it's the type of thing that we need to be thinking about because the idea of like, there is one team in an enterprise of like hundreds of thousands of people who manages all of the rights management for the entire organization is kind of crazy. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. This is, un this is making me think about a lot of different topics. It's all kind of swirling together. Um, so, you know, we talked a little bit about self-service analytics, self-service governance as sort of a, a, like, what does this look like as we go into the new world? I know something that you've also talked to us about is this idea of self-service operations. Mm -hmm. um, 
and also sort of like the centralization of analytics, but then the decentralization of self-service. Can you talk a little bit more about like what your what your thoughts are there and where things kind of need to go in the new world? Uh, yeah, so this, this is like it's a it's a work in progress. My my thoughts on this topic, but it's it's very much informed by what I saw at Tableau, which is like this analytics software is deployed as essentially like a, a calculation engine for business logic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that there's a big opportunity to capitalize on that. Uh, so I, I'll give you an example. Like, um, so I was speaking to this guy who works in mortgage remediation, um, basically like their software for how they allocate payments to mortgages, the business logic in it is wrong because the business logic is so complicated. The software engineers who built the system can't understand it. And so they implemented it incorrectly. Um, and it's, it's stuff like a mortgage can have multiple sub accounts and like one account can be in arrears and one can be in like a surplus. And the way they set up the software is that like if the arrears and the surplus is like the same and two sub accounts, they cancel each other out. But that turns out to like violate math and you can totally screw over your customer with this cancellation policy. And then like the customer can sue the bank Uh, And so the compliance risk to them is absolutely massive. And so he has like built this Excel spreadsheet that is used to reconcile the production system that allocates payments to mortgages. Um, And so like nothing leaves the bank unless the production system reconciles with his Excel spreadsheet. So they actually pull data out of Teradata, dump it into this Excel sheet, run some crazy calcs, and then spit the Excel data back into Teradata. And so they're doing this whole, like, they're using Excel as, like, a critical component in their in their business processes. So, like, the business Excel is, like, a transformer in this flow? It's a, yeah, it's, like, a transformer, and it's, like, a reconciler, yeah. Okay. And, like, nothing leaves the bank unless, unless I mean, the Excel... In a way, this is just, like, you have a person who needs to do some... Cal- needs to implement an algorithm and they're just implementing an algorithm yeah. in Excel. I mean, you know, just to do it in Python Excel. or Java or whatever, they would have done that thing. And, but the Excel is just a tool that they know, right? It's just, there's an algorithm. Yeah. Exactly. So it's how do you enable somebody with expertise in mortgages to own their business logic, you know, in a more sane way <laughs> than what they're doing with Excel right now. In, in a way that's like way more robust, like auditable, not so high risk for, for errors. Uh, like, so, so, so that's the opportunity that I think we need to enable is, is situations like that where you have like business operators have critical business knowledge that they need to implement in business logic to run a process. And the process is kind of like niche enough that you wouldn't buy like a system to manage it. It's like, you just need a tool to help automate the process. And that's, that's what we want to do at Kawa is enable. This is is an interesting point. So I think the question here is how can, how can business operators own their own business logic? And now we're talking about ownership. We're talking about accountability, right? And I, I, Uh, and, and frankly, better than Excel because that's how they're doing it today. Um, yes. So, so yeah. No, I, I, I mean, I've seen past experiences. I've seen like 
go into Excel and they're like, they have all these macros and all this code. And there's like, wow, that's important business logic of how you decide to go make decisions that is going to make you millions of dollars every day. Uh, mm. And then sometimes what I've seen people who like after years, right, they're like, oh, they get they, they, they start as, a, as an analyst, right, knowing Excel. And then little by little, they start learning SQL. And then they're like, yeah. oh, that logic that logic that I have implemented in Excel actually would make my life much easier if it was pushed down to SQL. So then they would actually write that logic in SQL inside of right, SQL that would operate over uh, either an, an, an operational data store in ODS or maybe a data warehouse or stuff. That, so, I mean, if it's over the data warehouse thing, you know they're doing it over the analytics. If it's an operational data store, maybe it's still okay kind of because it's directly over the operations. But then what happens is that these queries then get combined with some other queries and other queries. And suddenly you have queries that are, I don't know, 10, 15 pages long that have all this critical business logic that then feeds into a spreadsheet that goes, has more business logic in there. And that's how you decide to make a decision today. Not analytics. Like this is the day-to-day operations of how, where am I going to mm-hmm. invest in that? So. I mean, that, that, that's stuff I've seen in my career, right? Over and over. Yeah, again. yeah, yeah. And it, it's kind of like there's a missing technology platform to formalize that that work is happening and to enable data teams to be like, you know, stewards well, and enablers. Hold on. Of that well, work. Well, well, I guess, yes. Yes, we can. Let's argue that yes, there's something technical missing there. But then I would argue that you, another tool means that you're then have a tool where you're centralizing that business logic. While if we keep it as is, I'm not saying it's a good thing, but let's say it's not a bad thing. You're enabling to decentralize all that business logic. I decide to keep my business logic in Excel and I'm accountable for it. I decide to keep my business logic in SQL and I'm accountable for it. Let that happen. I mean, isn't that decentralizing accountability then? Uh, I think just because you have a technology platform doesn't mean you're centralized, like, you can still have decentralization on a technology platform. Like, like yes, it's physically hosted on one server, but the ownership is decentralized. The accountability is decentralized. The things that matter are decentralized. The hosting is centralized. So what we're trying to avoid is all that logic being owned by like it seems like centralization can mean a couple things here, right? One can be like we don't want IT to own all the logic. Another interpretation right. is we don't want like one person who owns that spreadsheet to own all the logic. So there's a there's a sharing aspect and there's an owned by the business aspect. Yeah, and you don't want IT owning your business logic because then IT owns your decision making process. Ooh, and like one. they are the business at that point. I like this code. You they, don't want they to are making business, business logic because then they own your decision making. Exactly. So do you know what? We when we were going through like writing our website, we actually had own your business logic as our tagline. And um for exactly this reason. And then we were like, I don't know if people will understand it, if it'll immediately well, resonate. And, 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 and yeah, I, I mean I would say the same thing. It's I mean. I don't even think people realize that that calculation that you're doing in Excel or whatever is business logic. It is something that right. for them it's like, duh, that's what I need to go do, right? Like, the yeah, it's like I have 
call business logic a decision model, right? I have a bunch of if-then statements because that's how, if this thing is this and this, and during this time, then we're going to go do this other thing. But if it's this other thing, blah, 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 blah. And then you have this whole, I mean, you have a whole entire business process that goes around this. How is that managed? I mean, sometimes it's not even written anywhere, right? Just people know it's just it's, it's the way we do business here. And Bob and Alice have always done it here. And then when Bob and Alice are about to retire, they're like, oh, crap, we got to figure out how to go put this down, right? So, I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, the problem is even more severe because at some point we're assuming that this logic exists somewhere, but sometimes it just continues to exist in people's head. In people's heads, exactly. Yeah, the amount of like institutional knowledge that isn't captured anywhere is massive. All right, well, without, without getting too salesy, but well, I'll, I'll, let me take liberty here. It's like, I would argue that stuff should live in a catalog. <laughs> we should talk. Like, I think our products could play very well together. <laughs> all right. We're not all right. in a well, catalog at all. Well, wow, this is so. This, I'll be very honest. This has been a this has been a fascinating episode because we have gone through so many routes and trying to understand this decentralization of governance. Which I'll be frank, it's still kind of confusing but there's something in here there is something here really fascinating and i'm sure i mean actually i, I saw i saw a note here from uh, on, on the chat right uh, michael lee said like this totally makes sense especially when i think about google drive allows users to manage the privacy of documents and drive so it's yeah. like i'm like wait i have no central nobody tells me what i can go share on google docs or whatever and we use right. google drive right but so why don't we do that right. for data there's pretty yes. there's a lot of critical stuff in our documents right you don't yeah. go to IT for every single drive you want to have access to. At least not if you're doing it right. Yeah, so there's people definitely something that would the business if they put that type of restriction in place. Like people mm-hmm. couldn't do their jobs. So there's a lot to unpack here. And hopefully this is an episode where people can come in and like, I'm, I'm going to bet that this is going to be an episode people are like, you're crazy. Or people's like, oh, you got me really thinking about this stuff. And, and right. So, um, but time flies. Look, we got to go to our lightning round. So let's, let, let's, let's yeah. kick this off. Our lightning round presented by data.world. Hey. All right. Okay. I'm excited. Number one, should your business logic live in DBT? No. Do I get to elaborate? Yes. Elaborate. You'd like, yeah. <laughs> um, I think so DBT is designed for technical people. And so if your business logic exists in DBT, then it's owned by engineers and like engineers. are. And so this, the problem I experienced at Muse, um, so Muse just for context is like a CRM plus an ERP in one system for the hospitality industry. And our, like our customers were going berserk about the fact that, their accounting logic had been decided by software engineers. It was literally, it started as a Czech company and it was like these Czech engineers went and picked up like a Czech accounting book and, and we're like, yeah, this kind of checks out. Like let's implement this. And then the hotelier accountants were looking at it and they're like, this doesn't make sense. And it doesn't make sense in France or the UK or Germany or US. And like, because the accounting logic was owned by, engineers and dbt is the same thing it's just like your business logic and consequently your business itself ends up being owned by analytics engineers who don't understand the business 
So no, your business logic should not live in DBT. It should live in a platform that is owned by business users. Mm, interesting. All right. Second uh, lightning round question. Does the business logic get developed by the act of creating the metrics and the dashboarding? Or do you think it's going to happen some other way? Uh, I, I think there's two separate things. One is like creating business logic to operate a process. And then one is creating, and then like there's a second thing, which is creating metrics to measure whether the things you did to the process actually impacted the performance of the process. So I don't really think of metrics as being synonymous with business logic at all. Like I, business I, logic to me is like, I have invoices and payments and I need to figure out some way to allocate the payments to the invoices because there's lots of different ways that I could do like the assignments. That's like business logic. That has nothing to do with a metric. A metric is like, what's the time it takes to repay the invoice? Yeah, I'm I'm 100% with you on this. And I think connected to your previous point of like, it shouldn't be in DBT. Like I think Mm. an implementation of that could be in DBT. It could be in so many other things, right? The definition of that should be somewhere else. And then then you implement it. And then at the end, I think a metrics is going to be the, the, the logic over that business logic for what you're measuring, mm-hmm. right? measuring logic, which goes over that business logic and the business logic effectively is going to be that semantic layer. But anyways, I'm, 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 I'm this is your lightning round. Not mine. I feel like this is kind of actually <laughs> controversial, like business logic. Oh no, is <laughs> is controversial. Well, this is the whole point. I would love to like, this would be an awesome <laughs> panel. Like get a, get a, get well, some, get a DBT time. analytics engineer people in here. Like, well, we'll have some interesting crap. Because I think this is a freaking honest, no BS. Like this is the word we need to be. So like, I, I almost worked at DBT. And then I was like, do you know what? I don't believe in their mission or their product. So no. The, I love it. When we have such a super <laughs> honest, no BS episode. Thank you. for that. <laughs> All right. Third, third question. Third question. Self-service analytics. Will it be replaced? disappeared or is it going to be augmented? Um, So the the honest answer is I think what people are calling self-service analytics today, i.e. let's call it, you know, Tableau largely, like 70% of Tableau deployments are requiring self-service operations. So I think that like that part will be replaced. I think Tableau will continue to be the best in class for like management intelligence reporting. Like that Tableau will be used for like your CEO dashboards, but I don't think it'll be used for your frontline operations like data work. That's fair. Okay. So it's not going to completely go away, but there's still there's uh, there's still a, a use for it, but it, uh, a lot of it's going to change. Um, yeah. All right, last lightning round question for you. So I, I love your product background. Obviously, I, I have a lot of product background, and um, I'm super excited around this topic around data product managers, analytics product managers. Despite my excitement, do not let that bias your response. Do you think that data and analytics product managers is a role that we need? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I actually think it's the it's the so I think. If you look at what did self-service analytics do to the job market, it it kind of gave rise to data engineering as a field. It like birthed it out of IT departments. 
And I think that analysts today are going to transform into data product managers as a result of this shift to like more self-service operations, because that, that will be the more critical role is like, how can you go in and figure out how to use data to improve a process as opposed to just like finding insights in the data and like emailing them to management to then do something with it. Mm, interesting. I'm, I'm super intrigued by the statement that analysts will shift into data product managers. Yeah, it's got a lot of things going around. On yeah. Me. You, you, you have a lot of, uh, a lot of your comments are things that I was like not expecting. And I'm happily. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's, oh, that's interesting. I always think that my ideas are like uh, not very forward thinking, <laughs> unique. They're, they're, I mean, they're definitely very different. Uh, and, and I mean, the, the honest thing, that's why I think like, I really enjoyed all your your, your interactions. I mean, not everything you wrote on LinkedIn, I agreed with, uh, but that's, I mean, we don't need to always agree. Well, that'd be boring. Um, that would be more diversity of thought. Diversity yeah, like of the goal is to break the mold here, right? If all we do is just say yeah. data mesh and DBT and, you know, all those things, then, you know, that, that'd that be boring. We got to break the mold. All right, Tim, takeaway times. All right. Taken away with my takeaways. So um, we really started off with some of the problems uh, around self-service analytics and how we really need to move away from sort of the previous paradigm, which has been very centralized and not super effective ultimately in being able to create you know, value for, for all audiences, um, that we need to rethink that a little bit. And we, we started off by talking about how self-service analytics often in, in today's world creates this backlog of requests um, and, and it just constantly goes up, but never goes down. Um, and self-service really isn't happening that easily. There's a lot of like waiting on IT and waiting on, you know, the data teams to have to help you. Um, ultimately, the biz doesn't care about self-service, though. They really care about operations and, and self-service mm -hmm. analytics got taken out of context. It was really about shifting the power from the technologists to the people, to, to the analysts, and, and ultimately the goal was to get it to the business. And you talked about sort of three different audiences. There's more of your business operators, there's more of your sort of the process, and then there's more of the measuring the process. Mm -hmm. And analysts um, have focused on designing um, and measuring the processes, so sort of the last two. Um, mm -hmm. But that first one, the business operators aren't actually being served that well. And so what mm -hmm. happens? Lots of one-off requests, business logic, tons of it getting embedded into Tableau reports and things like that. Um, and so that means business logic is in the analytics tools. Huge red flag. That was a really big takeaway here. Um, we live in this Google era and data is not just like that from a UX perspective. And so you said, we don't yet have an appreciation that data engineering is actually more complex than software engineering which I thought was mm -hmm. a very interesting way to think of this problem. We're failing to apply product management principles around data. You got 10,000 Tableau dashboards. That's probably a big problem, a big red flag. Uh, and uh, it's a question that a user is asking and others will be asking the same question. Then that's operations. And that's sort of the self-service operations approach. So mm -hmm. tons more stuff. But that was some of my takeaways there. Juan, what about you? All right. Well, obviously this whole self-service governance that I'm going to, after this episode, I'm going to call out some folks on LinkedIn saying, all right, listen to this. I want to get your input, but again, it is inspired <laughs> by, by Clive Benford, you mentioned, and which Clive, I think is going to be a guest yeah. in, a, in a month. 
Um, the collaboration shouldn't be something defined by IT. It should be something driven by the business because this collaboration is critical for innovation. And he said, it's impossible to model all the ways people need to collaborate on Active Directory. Like in a way, it's like we got to embrace the chaos somehow. Like, and and mm -hmm. it, you made a really strong st statement that, that Tim and I were back to us like, is this really true? Spreadsheets data has some of the highest level of security. And I think at the end of the day, the owners have a high degree of incentive not to screw up. They don't want to get fired, so they don't they won't do anything bad or, or email it out. I mean, and guess what? We are doing self-service governance today. It's already happening. And if you look at the finance industry, which runs completely on spreadsheets, they do it they do it fairly well. You can argue. Um, so our governance is really should be more about ownership instead of control. Again, because mm -hmm. people know they'll get fired if they share data. Like we we need to go like these are the incentives they already have and. I like we talked about decentralizing accountability. It's more important than decentralizing like who's writing those SQL queries. And then mm. talking about like the self-service operations, right? I think one, one of the things is that, as we mentioned before, hey, if your analytics software like Tableau is really a calculation engine for the operations, you need to pull out that logic, Karen. So the question is, how can business operators own that business logic better than if it's in Excel, better than it's in Tableau? And the issue mm -hmm. is that you don't want the IT to own that business logic because then they would own your decision making. Hence the reason why you said yeah. you don't want that business log the, the business logic to be in DBT because that means that those engineers would be owning your decisions. All right. How did we do? What did we miss? This I like I'm amazed at your ability to synthesize and summarize. You've clearly done this like 130 times. <laughs> <laughs> we have I'm so impressed. That's well, I mean, like we, we this, we, well, first of all, thank you very much. I mean, we, I'll be very honest. Tim and I, I think, are very proud of our techniques to on the fly summarize. But we will not be replaced by ChatGPT. You will not. <laughs> no. <laughs> as, as you tell everybody, we just repeated what you said. So thank you very much for all this very insightful uh, discussion we had. And, 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 and you have fans. Like, I think I mentioned that. I don't agree with a lot of you, but Doug here is saying he agrees with you. So, <laughs> all right. So, Bethany, to wrap us up, uh, three questions. What's yeah. your advice about data, about life? Second, who should we invite next? Clive's already invited, so another name put you on the spot. And three, what are the resources that you follow? People, blogs, yeah. podcasts, conferences, books, whatever. All right, cool. So, I've already forgotten the first one. <laughs> Advice? My advice. Oh, yes. I'm going to go for advice on life. Uh, don't settle. Don't settle. Um, I think, yeah, like back in November, I had a lot of job offers. They were good job offers, but they weren't like, I wasn't like, yes, I can love this company for 20, 10 years kind of job offers. And so I was like, hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to say no to all of them and just like venture out into the unknown and see what happens. And, and I've like found like my dream team, dream product, dream mission. Um, and it was like very scary and very risky, but like so worth it to be, to be here now. Um, so yeah, don't settle. That's my life advice. Uh, next one. Who do I recommend for the podcast? Um, Caroline Zimmerman. She was one of my former clients and then um, became a very good friend and uh, is just brilliant on all things data strategy and how do you drive value with data? Uh, how do you enable collaboration between the quants and the poets, as she calls it? So I think um, she would be super interesting to have as a guest on the um, 
pod, the, the show. And then who do I like? Yeah, resources. I guess I'll just mention, uh, yeah, some people to follow. Like Mike Rennick is super interesting in data. I don't know if you follow him, uh, but but I recommend I recommend him. And then Caroline Zimmerman, follow her. Clive Benford, follow him. Uh, they're they're all three really interesting people for uh, some of the more like organizational people process strategy aspects of data. So, so there we I go. Old Caroline Zimmerman and Mike Rennick. Uh, and I highly recommend Clive right now. I mean, everything that he's posting is just he's on a roll right now. He's right? on a roll right now. He's on the roll. Bethany, this was awesome. Uh, we went on so many different areas and we challenged ourselves. Uh, thank you very much for having this honest, no BS conversation with us. Thank you so much. All right, take Cheers. care, guys. All right, cheers. Bye. This is Catalog and Cocktails. A special thanks to Data.World for supporting the show, Carly Berghoff for producing, John Loyans and Brian Jacob for the show music, and thank you to the entire Catalog and Cocktails fan base.